Hi, I'm Bree, one of the co-founders of Frank Body. Hi, I'm Jess, one of the co-founders of Frank Body. Welcome to Selfish, a podcast that is all about putting yourself first and redefining the word selfish. Over this content series, we're exploring a variety of topics with some amazing faces that you'll know, from self-awareness with Brooke Lurton to self-discovery with Jackie Gillies. We're also talking about self-pleasure with Chantelle Otten and self-wealth with the incredible Victoria Devine. Podcast episodes for Selfish drop weekly on Tuesdays alongside a whole bunch of amazing tools, tips and tricks from our team that you can find across the Frank Body social channels. Find us wherever you listen to your podcasts and let's get selfish together. That was a beautiful podcast we just recorded with Rushi Page. She has the most incredible positive energy. It just lit up the whole room. I loved it. She really did. She was so warm and intelligent. And for those who don't know, Rushi is an Indian-Australian creator, makeup and skincare enthusiast, writer, model, and advocate for inclusivity within the beauty and fashion industry. There are so many beautiful pieces of advice and takeaways for everyone, particularly I want to say women who are in their 20s, which we've talked a lot about recently, is just a crazy time of change and self-reflection and working out who you are and what it means to be a woman in today's age. Uh, We talk a lot about her journey navigating a beauty world that really lacked inclusivity until very recently and her journey uh, of adoption. It's just a really uplifting Really beautiful interview, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Beautiful Rushi Page. Welcome to Selfish. (laughs) Thanks for having me. We're very excited to have you here and have a really great discussion with you today about self-identity. So I never like to assume that anyone knows who anyone is, so we always ask our guests when they join us to just... Give the listeners a little bit of an intro spiel. Tell them who you are and what you're about. Amazing. I'm Rishi Page. I'm a creator, writer, and advocate for inclusive practices within beauty and fashion. And I am obsessed with makeup and skincare. (laughs) What was it about makeup and skincare that first drew you in? I think it was how it gave me the freedom to actually experiment with my own look. Mm. So being able to create a different eye look or really channel some confidence that way. I used to wear makeup when I was 12 years old in school, get told to take it off, of course, by the teachers, but I was just addicted. I just couldn't help but like reapply it and just it really sprung this confidence within me. And then I realized that I was starting to sort of depend on it a little bit like for that confidence. Mm. And then I sort of rolled into skincare where I was looking after my skin and then I was developing this love for a bare face as well. Mm. So it really was that love of being able to transform yourself a little bit, but having that freedom to express yourself however you want to. I remember being a teenager and being terrible at makeup. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a little bit older than you and I was the... Maybelline Dream Mousse um, oh, era. That's a throwback. <laughs> so just throwback. like matte yes. face. Yep. And it's then not our fault. It isn't. It, <laughs> it was, was the time. <laughs> it was the time. But I was so proud of it. And I remember putting on way too much makeup and going to school. And the same thing, having the teachers tell me to tone you it down to a little it. bit. Yes. And it's yep. funny now because I'm a mum and I'm probably I'm getting older and I can see two sides to it where I can see makeup as this 
beautiful outlet for self-expression and for a way for a young girl to start to explore her femininity and how she wants to perceive herself. And then I can also see the teacher's side of being like, you're beautiful just as you are. Don't put all that stuff on your face. Yes. How do you feel that as you get older? (sighs) I feel like, yeah, now that I'm older and when I look back at, you know, my younger self, I do, I can see in my like old high school photos and everything that I was definitely trying to cover and almost use it as a method to like fit in to my, amongst my peers. Mm. However, there's still that passion and I feel like I denied a lot of it too because when I was growing up in high school, a lot of people really kind of shunned makeup artistry or Mm -hmm. really Mm. said that there's no financial legs and then you almost had this shame or surrounded by makeup. So as I'm older now, I look back and I'm like, I knew I had this this gleam, this like excitement when it comes to makeup and it's just evident with my obsession. Mm. Uh, but yeah, looking back, I really wish that I sort of, you know, had a chance to really enjoy my bare skin mm. as well a little bit more. In saying that, I didn't really wear a lot of foundation, more so orange bronzer with a lot of shimmer. Love that look. <laughs> and, <laughs> and a really aggressive eyeliner. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Um, I think about that when I think of my teen self, like I I was the same. I was a little bit dorky, very, very pale, freckly, and yep. I felt like I needed to conform to a particular beauty standard. And so I would cover myself in foundation and put too much bronzer on and I looked so silly. And I wanted <laughs> but I wanted to cover my skin and I remember that being a real feeling that I had. And I reflect now, I'm like, you idiot, you had the most amazing skin yes. that you ever had. Yes. Like yep. not a wrinkle, not a pimple. Mm. Oh, and you covered it all I up know, under that. And crap. You just wanted to Yeah. <laughs> I wish someone had taught me. My first makeup experience was um when I was in ballet as a little girl. Yes. And oh, it was, fun. Do you, did anyone else do dancing when you were little? Yes. I think yes. 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 Yeah. <laughs> so like the pink and the blue was yep. the thing when I was a kid yep. in the late 80s and the uh-huh. 90s. I'm like, that's maybe this is where it came from, <laughs> this terrible introduction. <laughs> so I, um, I'm going to read this question because I want to get the title of the letter that you wrote to yourself correct. I read oh, a really beautiful article letter that you penned to yourself called Dear Little Rushi, Your Beautiful Brown Skin Is Not a Burden. It was a really incredible and honest piece of writing um, about your experience around the lack of inclusivity in the beauty world and what I would call racism within the beauty community. Um, And I know we've made progress, but I don't think we've made enough progress. But I'd love to hear from you around your experience around inclusivity or the lack of inclusivity within the beauty community and how that has evolved since you were a little girl to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I feel like when I was getting into makeup, there's a lot that you assume will be, you know, created for you or you assume that accessibility is just there until it's not. And then I remember, you know, those moments of doing my deb and my mum and I wanted to go and, you know, get the makeup sorted and make it a special thing. And it's really not until those moments that you're stopped and then you feel like, oh, I actually have to sort of grab what will just work Mm -hmm. as opposed to what my skin needs or what will actually Mm -hmm. look good. And yeah, I feel like that experience just sort of got worse because, you know, as a, uh, in my early twenties, you know, you're becoming more aware of it and I'm going into these, you know, 
high-end stores because I'm excited by the YouTube era and everyone's talking about all these products and you want to be a part of it. But yeah, you get in there and then you're turned away. Like I was turned away so many times because yeah, products just didn't come in my shade. Mm. And then, you know, you start thinking I'm brown, you know, I'm, I've got a deeper skin tone, but there are people deeper than me Mm -hmm. again. And I just think, well, they don't have a chance, you know, Mm. now I feel like it's gotten so much better. Like I can go into most stores now and pick out a shade for me and notice that there are deeper shades again, you know, going down the line. However, now I think people get, or brands get confused because they go, okay, well, we've got this huge number of shades, but it's not evenly distributed. Mm -hmm. So there's like a large portion of paler shades. And then we've got perhaps a few afterthoughts down the other end. And that happened to me the other day. I thought that was kind of done. But then I, yeah, went shopping the other day for my wedding makeup Mm. and noticed that I was able to find my shade. But again, there's this huge jump in between. And so, yeah, I feel like there is so much improvement, you know, post Fenty era, Mm. you know, that really changed the game. We sort of went, yeah, actually, you know what? That has been a problem. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I deserve to have access to. And I hate that we're sort of talking about makeup as this, you know, almost controversial thing when it's makeup, it's yeah. it's fun, yeah. you know? And um, it's something that I really, I'm really passionate about because it's just about equal accessibility. Everyone deserves to be able to walk into a store, like a makeup store, and choose exactly what they need and then walk out carefree. It should be that simple and it just... Mm. Yeah, it blows my mind. It makes me so sad that that's not the experience that a lot of people have. What do you see as your role as an advocate for inclusivity and such a passionate person about beauty in general? Like, what do you see as your role regarding initiating change? We're here largely because a community of white people who controlled companies have made certain decisions, largely older white men who are the majority shareholders of these companies, and they're not the ones doing anything about Mm. it. And again, it falls to people like yourself to create change. How do you wrestle with that conundrum? Or am I overthinking it? No, not at all. (laughs) Not at all. You know, I feel like you know, what was the main question? I agree with everything. I I love it. What do you see as your role when it comes to trying to create change? I think my role, it's just using my voice and encouraging other people Mm. to use their voice too because it is important. And I believed for so long that my voice wasn't important Mm. and I feel like, you know, until you start voicing your concerns or voicing the things that are unjust in your world, you will be surprised that a lot of people share the same concerns as Mm. you. And I think, you know, if I speak about something that is completely unfair when it comes to you know your identity or Mm -hmm. your skin color your sexuality everything like that I feel like then it might encourage other people to speak up and I do believe that there's a lot of power in togetherness so you get everybody on board and look what's already happened when a lot of us come together anyway so Mm. yeah I think that's sort of I don't want to ever be a representation or representative for everybody because yeah, yeah. my experience is so unique and just like everybody else's. And I just want to sort of be that person that encourages other people to do what I'm doing. Mm. I think there's that saying, if you can see it, you can be it. Yes. I know for a lot of people growing up, there wasn't any representation of any diversity 
you know, again, going back to our experience, it was still the Victoria's Secret models and these six-foot stick figures with big boobs and long, crazy curly hair. Whereas these days I do see that change happening and I think about children growing up and there's so many different role models. How do you think your role as a role model? Like, do you see yourself as a role model for these younger people, being someone who's more prevalent in the media that they can look up to? I don't know if I'm a role model. I think I just want to be an example of somebody who's doing it and has created space in an environment that hasn't necessarily been catered to or a space that wasn't even there in the first place. And I want people to know that you can fit in, even if it means you have to barge your way in. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of what I've kind of needed to do because you you don't know what your words will do. You don't know where they will get you. You don't even know if there's gonna be a success at the end of you voicing your concerns. Uh, But you know, when I've done projects in the past and you hear and you listen to other people and you realise that these disadvantages that they're experiencing, they matter. They, they need to be seen, they need to be heard. And by coming together and just simply talking about it is, that's important. I feel like if I can be that person to sort of open the door for other people, then that's, my job's done, mm. you know. You had a very iconic moment um, walking the runway at the Melbourne Fashion Week in 2022. Can you talk about that experience and what yes. that was like? Oh, that was so good. It was so exciting. It was uh, it's like one of those moments that you just, you don't even believe is happening because I came from a small town and I just, these opportunities don't happen, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. for someone like me anyway. But then to be from this small town and then find out one minute that you're going to be walking down the nation's most, you know, popular runway or fashion show is just crazy. And I feel like because of my inexperience, I was able to really enjoy it and not really have anything to compare it to. So I was like, yep, cool. We're just going to strut. We're just going to do with what we've got and yeah, work it out somehow. (laughs) You know, I only found out probably a week and a half beforehand that I was doing it. Um, And I was like, you know what, I have to say yes. I have to say yes to the things that terrify me. And yeah. Yeah. It's our life. One yeah. of our life models. <laughs> oh, yeah. How to put yourself out of your comfort zone like that. Yeah. What kind of feedback did you get from people afterwards? It was one of those moments because, you know, I'm not just brown. I'm short. I'm mm-hmm. only 153 centimetres tall. And, you know, I've got a curvy body. I don't fit into the mould that you would think of, you know, when you think of what a model actually is. And so I would have messages from, you know, people saying that they felt like they, that their body type was valid. Mm -hmm. They felt like this power, they felt like, oh my gosh, this is speaking to me. And that's really what I wanted. I wanted obviously to walk down that that runway and be like, yes, I'm doing this for myself. Mm -hmm. But it's so incredible seeing people go, hey, like, you know, I'm short, I'm brown, I'm curvy and you know, I am actually part of this fantasy, this mm. this powerful world that has only ever been catered to yep. uh, tall, thin people, which are beautiful, but I think people are missing out on the other end, 100%. which is mm-hmm. yeah. just All as incredible. Types of beauty. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Makeup and beauty, they're obviously such outward ex- expressions of our identity. Have you gone through phases of like, I feel like everyone can agree, like, that was my curly hair phase. That was my straight hair <laughs> phase. This was when I wore too much makeup phase. Yep. How do you, do you notice how you're feeling about yourself or your 
and the self-identity you've constructed at a particular period in time. And do you see that reflected in the way you present yourself through beauty? Yeah, I feel like I've gone through my bold phase where I just was obsessed with crazy prints, um, crazy Mm colours, like doing editorial makeup and just wanting to just show every single part of me even if it clashed I didn't care I just wanted to wear it all be it all and just yeah wear it all and I think that phase is still part of me though so I feel like I still do I'm not afraid to really channel some of those elements of myself that I really love which is not being afraid or feeling like you're stuck into this box of what you can and can't wear just because of your size or just because you know, of your age. I feel like, you know, when I worked in retail, I saw so many people be afraid to wear just a red lipstick because they felt like, oh, I'm too old mm-hmm. or I'm not I'm not in this, this uh, part of my life anymore that I can do that. And I just always thought, you can mm. just put it on and that's it. So I feel like these phases are still part of me, but, um, you know, I feel like when I look back, I definitely had an eyeliner phase (laughs) and it's not necessarily a good eyeliner phase. I have a photo the other day that I saw and it's just literally an obnoxious line because it always starts quite, you know, humble and then (laughs) it just kept extending and then I just had to make it work and then looking back at photos and I'm like, yep, that's not it. (laughs) I had an eyeliner phase too, but I have hooded eyes and so now I know that I'm not supposed to (laughs) do the eyeliner thing. Um, What I think is interesting about women is our appearance and our bodies are constantly evolving. Obviously, when you go through puberty, that's when you see a dramatic shift. But then even just as you get older, I think we're constantly changing, whether it's going through motherhood or just a change in lifestyle. And that can be really confronting for people to deal with. What advice would you have for someone who is going through a period of change, whether they're younger or older? Hmm. I think my advice for someone going through a period of change would be to really embrace it because I think change is purposeful and I believe that when you're going through that change it's usually uncomfortable and that's the best part you can't see it now but it is it's really paving the way for growth and I think that's that's a really exciting time I've been through change last year the year before that and I can feel it there's this discomfort within my own life and I'm like oh I just I feel lost I don't know what the next step is but you come to the other end of it because there is always another end of it and you look back and you go, oh, my gosh, look at that progress. Look at that mm. amazing time that I had figuring it out, mm. you know, and I think that's – I think it's a really good thing. Yeah, that's a beautiful perspective. I think something else you've spoken about that's really interesting is this idea of decoupling your self-worth from your appearance and I think that's something a lot of women go through. I personally had to do a lot of work in my late 20s just – I guess, re-educating myself that how I look really doesn't equal what I'm worth. And, you know, I've never said, oh, you know, I really don't want to hang out with Jess. Her skin's not great. And (laughs) just put on a few kilos and, like, she's nice, but... Like, you never but think we like that. about ourselves for Honest? so much of our lives oh. and we punish ourselves yes. for it. Yeah. Yes. Yep. I've been there so many times. I feel like only now in my... Oh, I'm 30 now, but now in my late 20s, I really started to focus on uh, less on my appearance. Obviously, I care about it. I think it's exciting to work on, but it's not 
my entire being Mm -hmm. and I feel like Mm -hmm. that was a really big wake-up call for me because I place so much weight and value onto it so yeah definitely your value your worth is it transcends everything about material things or your your size or anything like that there's so much more to you Mm. maybe it's time for a bit of a gear change yeah I was gonna ask one more question around how you felt about turning 30 you know when you're in your 20s you think 30 is old and you have this thing with age where you're like oh I now need to be in this stage of my life and I'm not and I think turning 30 for me it made me realize that oh my gosh that is um I don't I still don't obey you know the typical timelines and that's still fine nothing really bad happened if anything I would much rather be 30 than in my early 20s Mm because I have so much more freedom (laughs) you know I have so much more going on I'm excited I'm finally figuring it all out and also it's just another year that I get to live like what a what a privilege you know that's so that's a good attitude yeah we joked about it before the podcast started that like the most carefree years Mm. of our life were our early 20s which they were to an extent but they were also plagued for me anyway with the most self-doubt yes and I've grown into myself Mm -hmm. in the nearly two decades since and I've turned 38 in a couple of weeks and I love getting older. I had a freak out before I turned 30, though. And oh, yeah. I don't yeah. know why. It wasn't really over anything. I just started going, yeah. oh, my God, fuck it. Yeah. Like, it's here. Yeah. The next 10 years are just going to flash by. Mm. And now I'm so excited for You're that ready. next milestone. I'm like, yes. 40s are just going to be amazing. And I cannot oh, I wait. wait. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. I love that. I love answer. that. Yes. I love that. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, let's change gears a little bit. Um. We would love to talk about your adoption story if you feel comfortable yeah, sharing it. Yeah, let's do it. it. Yeah. Okay. So perhaps as the protagonist, you are the best person to tell this story. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about your adoption story and your family life? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm adopted. I was. I came to Australia when I was four months old and I was born in Calcutta, India. And it was... I don't actually remember anything of it. So you were <laughs> four months? Four months. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, but it was such a special time for my family and you know it's uh it's a huge part of my identity but it's something that I don't always realize that it's part of my identity it's really now as I get older that I'm like wow that is a it's something I really I love about myself I think it's such a special part of my story Mm -hmm. and you know it's very individualized you know my experience with adoption is very much my experience Mm -hmm. and I know that a lot of other people that go through adoption or adoptees, uh, they have, you know, different experiences. So I'm very fortunate to have a great, great family who have just, yeah, really helped me flourish and helped me live my best life. And it's definitely been a second opportunity at life, for sure. I think um, when I've listened to you talk about your parents and the way that your adoption story was integrated into your family life and communication, it sounds like they just nailed it. Like that, yeah. You know, they not did. that like formal sit down. This is a thing because there's nothing shameful about it. It's just like the most beautiful. This is how our family came together story. Yeah. And I've heard that you used to create st- like picture books with your parents and yes, yeah, read I did. them. Like, oh, I love that. Yeah, we yeah. used to make like little books and put them together. And you know, mum and dad would you know basically tell me through pictures and storytelling like that how I came to be. Aww. And yeah, it was really cool. It was really memorable and uh 
that's what I mean. I, I never felt like there was this moment where I ever felt out of place mm-hmm. because I've always felt like, you know, my mum and dad are my mum and dad mm-hmm. and my yeah. brothers are my brothers and there's no uh, disconnection anywhere. It's really good. This might be too personal, but Go did it. your parents get any information on your biological parents and have you ever had any desire to meet them or know more about them? So I'm currently on my journey now to find more about my biological family. Mm. The goal is obviously to ever meet them but they they didn't really get any information uh, other than she was 15 mm-hmm. when she had me uh, but apparently that's untrue because I got a email in 2022 just randomly after responding to an email that I sent like eight months prior and it was detailing you know her name and uh, her age which was actually 22 Mm. so I don't know why these documents are saying something different when my social worker who actually brought me over is the one that told me this new information Um, she said you know where she was from and I wish I could say her name but she's been very uh, specific to say that she doesn't want it uh, detailed, but hopefully that changes one day. Hopefully I get to have that connection with her and say, like, I want to mm. tell the world about you. And, you know, it's there's a lot that uh, with adoption and understanding your roots that can kind of – it has the potential to make you think that your belonging is a little bit skewed, mm-hmm. but it's just not the case for me. I feel like this would just be an addition to my life. It would be more so something that is just – exciting a, a part of me it would be cool to ever get a photograph or something that could make me go oh my god you know that's where my nose came from or that's mm-hmm. where my eyes came from you know those physical features would be really meaningful to me but um you know if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen it's okay yeah and do you still feel like your Indian heritage has become part of your identity or is a strong part of your identity I feel like uh, growing up it wasn't I denied a huge part of who I was if anything there was a lot of shame uh to be Indian and I've talked about this with a lot of my followers there there's this huge shame to be Indian at times and it's you know based on internal colorism it's based on you know people making fun of the things associated with Indian culture like food or you know the red dots that they wear and I've I've really kind of disconnected myself from my Indian roots until maybe my mid-twenties to to now. And it's only now that I am so proud to be a brown woman and I'm so proud to be exploring the parts of me and incorporate them in my wedding and, you know, really learn more about who I am because it kind of felt like it wasn't who I was. Mm. And now I look back and I go, well, that's so wrong. I really don't want to deny that part of me anymore because, you know, I am Australian, but you know, I have a whole story that I don't even know about yeah. in India. And that's that's part of who I am. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I do think it's sad there is so much inherent racism still yeah. in Australia in this day and age. I would love to know what sort of triggered that change and that real acceptance from yourself of your own heritage. And when yeah. you wanted to, like, when and why did you want to start exploring it more? I feel like it's seeing other people do it. Mm. And that's why social media is so great because Mm. I see other people going along the same journey as I am and I realise, oh, my gosh, like, there isn't shame in it. It's actually such a beautiful Mm. thing to be proud of. It's something special to learn and not forget. And I see people and hear people's stories 
and I can relate and I think I also want to be a part of that you know I want to be able to sit there and go hey like I yeah I didn't know anything about my cultural heritage or you know what significance was behind in the jewelry for my wedding or mm. I didn't know what the garments meant or I didn't know what yeah. these religious experiences meant but now I can sit here and tell you I can't yet but I will <laughs> <laughs> I guess talking about social media you know we all have a love-hate relationship with it as your followers grow does that give you I guess more confidence or more self-doubt or how do you feel about more and more people looking at you and following you I feel like it's a combination of both. I feel like I, um, I'm i excited to have more people join my journey and, you know, people who I can actually speak to about experiences that I've had and, yeah. you know, share the story that I've been doing for so mm. long and keep that momentum going because it is important. It will never not be important to talk about inclusive practices and, and showcasing somebody actually being involved in these amazing things and... I think that's great but then yeah you do have that a little bit of self-doubt that okay there's there might be more eyes watching me now am I doing the right thing why am I doing this what's my messages again Mm -hmm. yes I have to stay true to that and I and I will stay true to that but you know all these kind of thoughts play in your mind but you also have to sort of regroup and just realize yep this is my message you either want to be a part of this or you don't and that is okay but I'm here doing what I want to do and speaking my truth, my messages to my audience, and I hope that it can resonate with somebody. Oh, that's such a beautiful perspective. Again, I think it's you can tell people on social media who are coming from such a place of authenticity, and when you have that strong message, you've got such a strong sense of self, and you're not just trying to be what everyone else wants you to be, and I think we need more people like that on social media (laughs) because... I think from time to time, the content you see can just become, you know, everyone trying to get more likes or get yes. more followers and you can yeah. see straight through that, I yeah, think. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Um, our identity is obviously built like it's like a Lego land, like all these different blocks mm. contribute to it. Our upbringing, our friends, our family and our intimate relationships. And you have a beautiful fiance that yes. you're marrying in a couple of months. How has your um, sense of self and your identity shifted I guess, through the stages of your relationship? Hmm, that's a good question. I feel like when my fiancé and I got together, that we didn't plan on this, but we've sort of really made sure to keep our individuality within our relationship. So, you know, he is such an important part of my life and he is such a great addition to my life, but he never was this point of completion mm-hmm. I, I really wanted to make sure that I completed myself before I went into my next relationship and because of that I feel like we have such a great sense of individuality mm-hmm. within us being a couple but then because of that again I feel like he completes me in in a different sense yeah. and uh, I no longer feel like I need someone by my side mm-hmm. I've chosen my fiance because yeah he's he has really you know in some points he's saved me you know I've I've haven't had the best relationships in the past and he has taught me so much about what love actually is Mm -hmm. and it's yeah did you realize did you realize early on in the relationship that he was different to people you've been with in the past 
Yes. Yeah. You know, he's he was quite complicated at the start, to be honest. He was a, you know, we might not have had the the most smooth start, but um, he he's always had this thing that I'm like, there's something about you. There is something about you that I need to just be a part of. And I think, um, yeah, he's he was different in the way that he allowed me to be myself. And, you know, acceptance. There was this thing that I hadn't had before. Being able to feel free and do whatever I want. I, you know, I used to think that I need to ask, can I go see my friends? Or can I go and do this? Are you going to be okay with that? And he's like, please just do what you need to do. You're your own person. And I remember that changed my world. Just being here, like, not that I needed him to say that, but it really, it really did help at the time having somebody say, hey, remember, you are you and I am me and we need to make ourselves happy and we need to really fill our own cups before we come together, mm-hmm. you know. We need more of that energy in the world. Yes. Honestly. <laughs> Best dynamic in a relationship. <laughs> and it's been interesting. You've said a similar thing a few times like, and a really beautiful thing that these aspects of your life are always adding to it rather than filling a void essentially and like that requires such a huge amount of self-awareness and self-confidence to get to that point where the things that you choose to bring into your life are not because you feel like there is a gap that you need to fill yes have you always been like that or has that taken work to get there yeah no 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 I've never been and that's why I'm very I'm very uh conscious of it because I never was like that I always needed help I always needed people I always needed somebody to tell me what to do or, Mm. you know, have that guidance. And now I guide myself. And that is one of the most proud things that I could ever have achieved. And now I choose to have people in my life. Mm. You know, I'm a very big believer in what serves you. And I need things to serve me in the right way. I don't want to ever be feeling like I'm putting myself out in a way that harms me. And I feel like I used to do that so much. Mm. And now, yeah, it, you know, my friendships are a choice. They, you know, my, my relationships are a choice. The energy I give to people is a choice. And I never want to sort of breach that kind of thing. That's so yeah. good. Boundaries are Boundaries. important, people. Yes. Oh, my God. So important. Does that mean you've gotten better at saying no? Yes. <laughs> no. Yes. No. no. Yeah, no. <laughs> I am very good at saying no now. I used to say yes all the time. still catch myself a little bit feeling obliged. Uh, but now I'm very much like, no, if I don't want to do something, I won't do it. Uh, of course, within reason. Mm-hmm. I'm very also much about saying yes to yourself uh, when things might cause a little bit of discomfort, you know, for example, fashion week or, you know, doing a speaking role, mm. something that will take you to that next level, but you're saying no because you're afraid of what yeah. might happen mm. in that moment, that's when I think you should say yes. Totally agree. But when, you know, people are asking and prodding and pulling from you, I think put your foot down and say no. Definitely. A hundred percent. I know, I mean, I don't know, can't remember exactly when this episode's going to air, but at the time of recording, I know we'll be coming up to International Women's Day mm. in... A month or and a half. And I'm waiting for the flooded inbox of people Mm -hmm. asking us to come and talk at their events and give our time Mm -hmm. so we can empower other women. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, they benefit from it as a company. And I've got all my no's prepared. (laughs) Ready to go. I've learned. Mm -mm -mm. No, no, no. I'm not doing that for you. (laughs) Not my job. (laughs) So true. Yes, it's so perfect. Uh, The other thing, Jay, you know, I always talk about 
is this idea that you create the life you lead. Mm. I guess growing up, I've heard before that you know you didn't expect to end up being a creator and a model and an advocate. What did you think your life was going to be like or what path did you think you were going to go down? Uh, I thought I was going to be a teacher. <laughs> and how did you end up here? <laughs> a little bit different. Uh, I, you know, I stopped teaching... I didn't even make it into actually working as a teacher. Did you study it? Yeah, I was in my final year and then did it, did everything. And then I realized it wasn't for me I on my last placement because my, you know, I already sort of knew it wasn't for me. And I remember my teacher found, my uh, mentor teacher at the time for my placement, she, saw, she found my Instagram at the time and it wasn't what it is now, but it was still beauty related. And she was like, so I found this. I th- stupid me they tell you all the time they say you know put your profiles on private I thought I was being real sassy by being like no they're not gonna look me up it's fine so she goes I found this and I just want to ask you is this the face of your professional career and in that moment I was like no ah uh, yes <laughs> yeah. yes it is that is this isn't mm. and I knew straight away that after this placement, that was it. I'm just, I don't even know what my next step is, but I'm just going to figure it out and surrender to my passion, which is beauty. Was it said in a way that you interpreted there was conflict between the way you were presenting yourself online and what was expected of you and how you showed up as a teacher? Or was it more that this person was going, hey, I think this might be what you really want to do? No, it was going to be conflict with teaching and it was going to be like, you know, you can't, I understand, I totally get it. Like you can't have your kids coming and saying, hey, I saw that product you were using, Um, you know, (laughs) what's going on with that? Or, you know, you can't, you're limiting yourself. I couldn't be exactly who I want to be because you'd have to be afraid of what your your students would see online. And... um, yeah, it was definitely going to be a place of conflict with teaching. And it wasn't just that. I wasn't enjoying it either. You know, I see the way my mentor teacher at the time, she's so good at her job and she's so passionate. Mm. And she was like, you know, you've got to go to these PDs. They're so good. And I couldn't think of anything (laughs) worse. I was like, there is no enjoyment at all. But I love that the teachers that are there, that they do have that passion Yeah, Mm. because they want to put in that extra work. They want to keep learning and be better and I found that within what I do now I always want to be better I always want to improve and learn and just keep going and I didn't want to keep going Mm -hmm. with teaching yeah Yeah. I think you have to be really passionate yeah to be (laughs) to be a teacher I think it's I take my hat off to any teachers listening respect (laughs) my parents are teachers your brother's a teacher and you have to be 100% dedicated to that and your students Absolutely. But in a way, you're still teaching people. You've taken a lot of practices that you probably learned through that process yeah, and brought it into the work that you do now. Yeah, definitely. I feel like teaching gave me so much confidence. The degree gave me so much confidence mm. because I was able to believe that, you know, actually I can succeed with something. You know, high school didn't really give me that. I felt like mm. I was always a failure. I always felt like I was stupid. I didn't. I wasn't smart enough. Whereas university gave me that confidence to say, hey, you can do something with your life when you enjoy it Mm. or if you have the passion for it. And I did have that passion for teaching, uh, but it, yeah, just faded in the end. But I've learned that I can do things and that's such a powerful tool to have. Yeah. I love that. Our listeners and our audience at Frank Body are so varied in terms of age. We have young girls that are teenagers listening to us, people in their 20s going through 
the 20-something crisis that it is. <laughs> Women our age who are coming out the other side of motherhood trying to rediscover who mm-hmm. they are and mm-hmm. everyone's going on their own version of sort of rediscovering themselves and trying to mm-hmm. shape their self-identity. What would you say to someone who's sitting at home or on a walk right now listening, saying or thinking, I don't know who I am right now? Where do they go from here? I feel like I had that last year. There's times where it might not go away and you have to sort of make peace with the fact that it's not. there's no destination with finding who you are. It's such a journey and as cliche as that sounds, it just is. You're going to have moments where you pick up pieces of yourself and you go, oh my gosh, that is something I enjoy. That is something of that I recognise as a part of who I am and I'm going to keep exploring that. You know, you can't ever think that there is a a timeline where you have to have it all together or you have to figure out exactly who you are by a certain time or a certain age because you will continue learning about who you are until you're 80, 90 plus, hopefully, <laughs> till the end. And it's it's just something that I've, I've had to relearn. And I really love learning more about myself. And I think when you make peace with that, instead of trying to piece it all together and feel like you have to have every single piece of that puzzle, uh, you're going to find a lot more simplicity Mm -hmm. within your life. And that's probably the brilliance of it all. Do you have practices that help you learn more about yourself? For example, journaling at the end of the day, which Brie and Mm -hmm. I have been talking about a little bit, or is it more of a kind of fluid just integrated into your everyday life I feel like it's about um experiences that I have the 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 experiences that make me not feel great you know I I reflect a lot Mm. that's part of teaching you have to reflect a lot on every single day and I think that that helps me a lot just reflecting on in a very honest way being honest with yourself and looking at how things made you feel or reflecting on what you could have done better in a moment and I feel like that helps you with self-awareness and being able to say yeah yeah I stuffed up there I could have I could have taken this route but Mm -hmm. I didn't and I took that route and look what happened but I don't believe punishment and reward is really a big part of it all I don't think punishing yourself for not getting it right or doing something that you perhaps should have done differently I don't believe punishment is helpful And I don't believe sometimes rewarding behaviour is the most helpful either or rewarding learning because then you, there's, it's just so change, it's so ever changing. You can't ever just sort of really have that one streamline walk of life. Mm -hmm. It's all about just learning from each individual experience, whether it's bad, it's good and holding on to those really little moments too. You know, I've I've lost so many opportunities and I remember getting really beat up about it. And I remember thinking, oh, you know, it's a reflection of who I am. It's a reflection of this, 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 mm. and this. And I remember thinking, hang on, how good is it that I got that email? You know, looking back at the core of it all mm. and going, how good is it that I got to read those words? I don't want to stop here. I'm going to keep pushing forward until I get to that goal that I want. But how special is it to be able to say, hey, I'm in this this moment right now that allows me to keep going forward. Mm. And that's that's sort of what helps me, I think, a little bit. That's mm, beautiful. Practice of gratitude. Yeah. <laughs> Observation. Yeah. Yeah. That's really nice. <laughs> Put simply, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you feel like a very confident, happy person. Um, when do you think you're at your happiest? Mm, I think 
my happiest is when I'm at home and uh, with my fiance or without him, whatever he's doing, I don't care. Like, <laughs> I'm happy with him. I'm happy with it. Yeah, I'm just, you know, I just love my own company. And I love going out for coffee by myself. I love taking myself out on dates. And I love watching RuPaul's Drag Race. I love just the most simple stuff. I love working. I love it. That is my dream job, what I'm doing right now. But um, I'm at my happiest when I've just got a little coffee. That's my favorite part of the day, yep. actually, Me when I wake too. up yep. and get my little yep. coffee yep. and my little routine. It's the best. You said before, yeah, you take yourself out for dates. Do you feel comfortable going for dinner by yourself? Absolutely. Oh, my God, I'm so proud of yes, you. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I don't have to wait on anyone. It's just me, myself, and I. I just do exactly what I need to do. I order the whole damn menu. Um, yes, I am all for it. I feel like that's some, something everyone has to, to do and get comfortable yeah. with doing. I think yeah. we were forced, well, I was forced to do it when we started travelling for work mm. solo. And the first yep. few times it feels really awkward. Yeah. But then yep. once you get used to it, it can feel very liberating. Oh, it is the best. I agree. Best. <laughs> it's I the best. It, it is the best. I don't do it enough anymore. No, I think we used to do a lot more when we travelled. Yeah. Whereas now with kids, it's a bit harder. <laughs> if you can, do it. Because yeah. you realise that no one cares. No one... No one cares about anything that you're doing. If I always think that. Like, if if I fell down in the middle of the street, so be it. Someone will have a conversation about it. The day keeps moving on, you know? I just don't care. <laughs> that's it. I just don't care what people think. So I'm here great. to enjoy my meal, and that's it, mm-hmm. you know? That's beautiful. <laughs> so we have one question that we are asking everyone that joins us on Selfish, and that is, what does it mean to you to be selfish? Hmm think yeah that ter- I love that you're kind of really regaining that term back because I feel like you know when I think of selfish we always think of this, this negative thing but I think it's a uh, a way to really feed yourself in the way that's best suited to you and that can just mean putting your values your time your energy putting that first because it does matter and I feel like a lot of us feel like it doesn't and that we have to always prioritise others. So when you're actually prioritising your own time, your own interests, your own uh, goals, everything, that is such a, an incredible thing to do and that is selfish and I love it. I love to be selfish. Oh, yes. This has been such a lovely chat. Thank you so much for your Thank time you. and for being so open and honest and warm and friendly. Oh, easy with you too so easy thanks Rishi thank you so much this episode of Selfish was recorded on Wurundjeri land always was always would be Wurundjeri land